0: From Tallahassee, Florida's capital city, North Florida Baptist Church presents the Family Bible Hour.
1: Accumulating, drinking and a treasure pile For moth and rust, thieves and such soon enough destroy. I want to be the legacy How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? your name, unapologetic name, leave that kind of legacy, not well traveled, not well read, not well to do or well bred. I just want to hear instead well done good and faithful one
0: thank you, Kara. Kara is uh, the missus of the Luke family, uh, Kyle and Kara Luke, and she works alongside her husband with the uh, Florida Baptist Children's Homes. And uh, what a blessing it is, and what a perfect song that uh, she chose today uh, for the message. And the title of the message is A Mother's Legacy. And uh, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, in a moment we're going to look at verses 3 through 7. If you have a An iPad or another tablet or a a smartphone, you can go to, uh, you see on your Sunday card how you can go and follow along uh, in the message. And uh, then after you take those notes, you can email those notes to yourself and then check me out and see if I preach the same sermon next year. All right? So uh, you uh, (coughs) can do that. Glad to see Eric Sapronetti with us today. Eric's mom passed away just yesterday. Just uh, yesterday, Eric's mom passed away. And so this is a much different kind of a Mother's Day for him. And uh, Eric, we love you. And our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Here are a few quotes about motherhood. I'm going to start with some quotes and I'm going to finish with some quotes today. Uh, I like this one by Oscar Wilde. All women become like their mothers. That is their tragedy. No man does and that's his. That's a pretty good uh, insightful statement right there here's what uh, George Herbert Walker Bush had to say Uh, that's the uh, first Bush president I do not like broccoli and I haven't liked it since I was a little kid and my mother made me eat it and I'm president of the United States and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli I like that there's a man who had uh, his priorities down straight here's what Groucho Marx had to say um I married your mother because I wanted children. Imagine my disappointment when you came along. Sounds like Groucho, doesn't it? You remember Phyllis Diller, Uh, the hair and all that, uh, which would be perfectly in style today. Uh, She said, uh, I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. Then I want to move in with them. (laughs) I love that. I feel the same way. Buddy Hackett said that uh, this, he said, my mother's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. Uh, My mother had that uh, choice as well. On rare occasion, I find someone who does not have a good relationship with their mom, Uh, an adult who looks back and says, I I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. Uh, In fact, uh, my wife and I were watching some DVR television last night, and and, uh, one of the Programs that we DVR is Undercover Boss. Do any of you watch Undercover Boss ever? Well, we uh, were watching Undercover Boss, and uh, there was a lady CEO who, uh, right at the beginning of the program, talked about the horrible relationship that she had with her mother and how that she chose to have no children for fear that she would become uh, like her mother. It's not very often that you find somebody like that. In fact, usually moms. If, if you have a dad and a mom, usually moms are the more sacred of the two. Usually moms have a... Uh, uh, there's there's more of a a loving relationship and a, a reverence for mom than maybe even dad. If you are a loved and respected father, that's a very special thing. But more common are those moms who are adored by their children. Father's Day is in a few weeks, and we'll deal with Father's Day when we uh, get there. But for today... It's about mothers and the legacy that they leave their children. And we're going to look at a very famous mother and grandmother uh, in the New Testament uh, named Eunice and Lois, the mother and the grandmother of a young man, a young servant of God named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with their clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift uh, of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a, a spirit uh, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul had such a a high regard, the Apostle Paul had such a high regard for Timothy, uh, a young servant of God, that he was often moved to tears when he would just think about Timothy and think about how God had worked in Timothy's life and how God was working in Timothy's life And, and what a good man Timothy had become and a wonderful servant of God. Timothy had a what, what Paul would refer to as a sincere faith. Uh, there was nothing insincere about his faith at all. It was a faith without pretense. It was the genuine article, real, honest-to-goodness faith. Of course, this means that some faith does have pretense, and some does. None of us want that kind of faith. We want a true faith. We want to serve the true and living God with a true and living faith. We don't want to be faking it. We want our faith to be genuine. Timothy came by this kind of faith because of the influence of two important women in his life. Timothy had a father, but his dad may have not been a believer. In fact, <clears throat> it's possible that his dad was out of the picture. I don't know. But Acts chapter 16 does tell us that he had a father. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father his father was a Greek, and that implies that his father was probably not a believer, just the uh, introduction of the word "but" there. However, his father was Greek. She was a believer. however, his father was a, a Greek. Clearly, the, the spiritual influence on his life came from his mother and did not come from his father. Now this is a shame. father should have a very strong. Uh, influence spiritually and otherwise on the lives of their children. It's a shame that the the spiritual influence for Timothy came uh, through his mom and not his dad. A shame but not all that surprising. Oftentimes it is, <clears throat> most of the time in fact, it's the mother in the Christian home who's the greater spiritual influence. Again, it, it isn't always that way and uh, quite frankly it shouldn't really have to be that way but that's the way that it typically is. Uh, I I will just say this, and I say it in passing, not being mean or unkind. On Mother's Day, the family comes to church with mother. On Father's Day, they typically go uh, to the beach or to the races or somewhere else with dad. And that just simply emphasizes the difference between the spiritual influence, typically, not always, of a dad and a mom. Because it's Mother's Day, let's focus on some things that we can learn from the family dynamic in the home of Timothy. And first of all, let's refer back to what uh, Kara Luke sang in her song. Let's talk about leaving a legacy. All of us leave a legacy. We leave a print in the sand that someone has walked that way before. That someone has come along and, and we can tell something about the person that came along prior to us by the print that is left in the sand. Billy Graham once said, Our days are numbered. One of the primary goals in our lives should be to prepare for our last day. The legacy we leave is not just our possessions, but in the quality of our lives. What preparations should we be making now? The greatest waste in all of the earth, which cannot be recycled or reclaimed, is our waste of time that God has given us each day. We all live to leave a legacy and we will all leave a legacy. When you pass away, when your parents passed away, uh, when someone else passes away, a legacy is left behind. Let's talk a little bit about a few famous legacies that have been left throughout history. There have been some wonderful mothers who left great legacies. One was a woman named Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. And her legacy was a a huge legacy, not just by the size of her family. She's a good example. She never preached a sermon or published a book or founded a church. But she's known as the mother of Methodism. She's known as the, the lady who had the most influence on the Methodist church. And the reason for that is because two of her 19 children, John and Charles Wesley who were were the founders of the Methodist Church, they applied the example, the teaching, and the circumstances of their home and life, or their home life, into the church that's called the Methodist Church. When the Methodist Church was founded, it was founded by the biblical principles that were lived in the home of Susanna Wesley. What a tremendous legacy she left behind. Ronald Reagan had a a mom. Her name was Nellie. And she helped him to overcome the disadvantage of being raised in a home of an alcoholic father. Ronald Reagan's father was an alcoholic. He was not a dependable man. There were a lot of issues with Ronald Reagan's father. Well, Ronald Reagan's mother, Nellie, helped him to overcome those issues and overcome them. Indeed, he did and became a a great leader in not just this country, but the world. Of course, there is Hannah, the mother of of Samuel, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and there are many other famous women in Scripture and famous women uh, in, in life. The legacy of Lois was that she raised a daughter named Eunice, and Eunice had a son she named Timothy who gained a good reputation in his life based on the principles that his mother had put in his life that she had had placed in her life by her mother named Lois. Uh, the Bible says in Acts 16, two, concerning Timothy, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Just as there have been a lot of famous and good legacies, there have been some famously bad mothers as well. Whether or not uh, we ever become famous or, or you ever become famous uh, in life, you're going to be famous in the lives of your children. And uh, you are the most important person in the life of your children. Before we left the house this morning, my youngest son Paul called his mother and uh, wanted to talk to his mother. And uh, I had uh, I, I, I had the uh, iPad uh, turned off. I had the Wi-Fi turned off. I learned a valuable lesson Wednesday night uh, as I was preaching. I, I uh, use my iPad now for my my sermons and. Uh, uh, it's just a, a good simplifying tool, and and Wednesday night, um, I I had not turned the the Wi-Fi off, and so in the middle of my sermon, my son and grandson down in uh, uh, Miami Facetimed me, and uh, uh, you when you Facetime, you hear a little a little whistle like that, <clears throat> so the whistling began, and I looked down and oh my goodness. What have I done? <clears throat> so uh, uh, that's a whole other story. But I, I turned the, I turned the uh, the Wi-Fi off this morning so that it doesn't whistle uh, in the uh, middle of the sermon, and I pray that it doesn't whistle in the middle of the sermon. So uh, Paul called and he said uh, uh, on the telephone, he said, "I'm trying to FaceTime," and I said, "Well, I got the Wi-Fi turned off. I'll turn it back on." So we turned the Wi-Fi back on, and and he sat and talked to his mom. Uh, for a good period of time. Now she'll get phone calls from Matthew. She'll get phone call uh, or, or a FaceTime call from Matthew and a FaceTime call from uh, Nathan today. And uh, they'll tell her that they love her. And, and all she wants to do is just see their face. That's all she wants to do. She wants to see their face. She wants to hear their voice. That's it. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, the call, phone call used to be the next best thing to get uh, being there. But now being able to see them face to face seems to be and uh, mothers have a, uh, a legacy, and their, their legacies are famous with their children, <coughs> whether that mother becomes famous or not. In, in fact, here's the kind of legacy moms leave. They leave family legacies. And uh, it may not be a famous legacy, but it's a, a family legacy. Your mom left something to you. Uh, when my father died, he left a, a reasonable estate, not a big estate. He left a reasonable estate uh, for my mother and uh, to live on. And, and happily, my mother was able to live on that for all of the remaining years of her life. And when she died, it had dwindled to almost nothing. There was not there was hardly any money when my uh, mother died, and, and it, was, it was just about all gone. And I have a few things that uh, that belong to my mother. I have a, a bedroom suit that belonged to my mother, and uh, it's in the front bedroom uh, of of the end of the house where the, the guys used to live, I have a bedroom suit that belonged to her. I have a, um, I have a little China uh, dog, uh, the kind of dog that, that uh, you have, Larry and Susie. I have a little China version of that dog that actually belonged to my grandmother when she was a little girl. And so I, I have uh, uh, one of those things. That's all that uh, they left me. That's all that I have that my my mother uh, left to me other than what she left inside of my life. Uh, coach Bowden the other day, we, we were together and, and coach asked me, he said, um, he said, where'd you get your sense of humor? Uh, because, you know, I'm a little crazy and he's a little crazy and and together we're just crazy. And, and uh, the Merits uh, saw us yesterday on the golf course together and, and uh, we just have fun and <clears throat> a lot of fun and, and he asked me, he said, where would that sense of humor come from, you daddy? And I said, oh, no, no, that came from my mother. Uh, that, that sense of humor, this is my mother's sense of humor that you're seeing here. Um, I, I cherish that really more than anything else that she could have given me. Um, I, I cherish it more than that bedroom suit. I cherish it more than that little, little dog. I, I cherish that sense of humor that, that came to me by my mom. She, mother, left me with laughter. And laughter has been such an asset in my life and such a wonderful thing. And and I, you know, if if I lose everything else in life, Lord, please don't let me lose the laughter. It's been the best gift aside from salvation that I have ever gotten. And the laughter came from her. Uh, We call her mother. Mother that we didn't call her mom, we didn't call her mommy, we called her mother. Now, mother could laugh. She could laugh at you, uh, she could laugh with you, she could laugh at herself. I've heard mother laugh until she cried. I've literally heard my mother laugh until she leaned over and started crying. I've heard my mother laugh until she cried and then mess up her clothes. That was my mother. My mother did that in the lobby of a very nice New York hotel when she and two of my sisters uh, saw a funny-looking man come off of the elevator. And they, the funny-looking man came off the elevator. They all got tickled at the same—and, you know, there are a lot of funny-looking people in New York and they all got tickled at the same time. They stepped in the elevator, and all three of them laughed uncontrollably. All three of them had the same problem, and they walked in and sloshed out. I'll just tell you right there. Mother was just hilarious, and, and she helped me to be serious about life, but not to take myself too seriously. Uh, for instance, Mother... My mother was very serious about getting the mites out of the hen house, but she laughed uncontrollably when she realized she had burned it down, trying to burn the mites out of the, the hen house. My mother was very serious when she thought that getting a new ringer washer was the best thing that ever was because now she would have something to wash her fruit jars. But when she broke every fruit jar in the house, she laughed uncontrollably. That was my mother. I'm here to, her name, Nanny Estelle Dickens Ray. And I'm here to tell you that Nanny Estelle could laugh. The thing that was the saddest thing, my mother passed away uh, with a, a dementia, an Alzheimer's, and she had it for many years, and the saddest thing was when the laughter left, because she kept that laughter for so very long. And when the laughter left, it was a sad day for us. What did your mom leave to you? Sometimes our parents, even our moms, leave us some things that aren't so good, but they leave good things to you. Your mom left you something good. And, and you should remember your mom whenever that good thing comes through your life and to your life. And you should remember that that good thing passes on. And, and your children can have that good thing as well if you will uh, enjoy and rejoice in the good thing that they have left in your life. Family is family, and the legacy that you have from your family is important. Also important, and I just hinted on it, are the future legacies. The good thing about legacies is that there's always time to influence them. A really good book, uh, a really bad book, can still have a great ending. Maybe you you look at your life and you say, I haven't left the best legacy for my children. Well, start today. Start today working on your new legacy. Start today building things into uh, their lives. Um, I, uh, I saw something on Facebook the other day from, uh, from Heather Morris, and I don't know if Heather's here today, but uh, I see her family back there. And uh, she, um, she talked about her papa. She talked about Aubrey and uh, Mayo, and, and she said, I have the best papa in the world. He calls me sometimes for just no reason at all and just makes me laugh. What a wonderful legacy. That's what you want. You want your children to remember something that you have put into their lives. Family is family and the legacy that you have from your family is important, but you want to put something into the future legacy of your children. The other day we had the funeral service of Peggy Golightly and I shared with her that there were certain important traits that Peggy had Uh, lived into their lives, and that was the way that I said it. I I said she lived these things uh, into your life. Very important to to put it that way. It might not be a bad idea to write down three or four good things that you really want your children to learn from you and begin to live them (coughs) into into their lives. Don't just tell them. Live it into their lives. If if you want your children to be generous, live (coughs) generosity into their lives. If you want your children to be grateful, live gratitude into their lives. If you want your children to be thoughtful, (coughs) live thoughtfulness into their lives. If you want your children to have a a sense of humor, learn to laugh and laugh at yourself first. Make sure that that you know (coughs) that that you you yourself uh, can be funny. It's just a good idea. So from Timothy's mother and grandmother, we learn about leaving a legacy. Now from uh, Timothy, we get this, learning the lesson, that is learning from the legacy. In our text from Second Timothy 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Paul felt certain that the, the godly, godliness of his heritage had, uh, had become the mode of, of Timothy's life, that, that Timothy Live the godliness that he had been taught. So there is a response and a responsibility that children have when your parents live a legacy. Let let me give you uh, some things to think about. I'm I'm speaking now to children, to all of us who are children and have been children and, and continue to be somebody's child. First thing we should do is embrace our parents. Now the temptation is to marginalize someone uh, and, and to move them from the center of our lives to the outer edges, the unimportant places. And you don't want to do that with your parents. You don't want to marginalize them. Now, of course, your parents are, are going to be in a different role in your life as you move on, but, but never marginalize your parents. Always embrace your parents. Many parents do feel marginalized as their children grow older and move on with life. You can grow older and you can grow up without making your parents insignificant in your life. Your parents should still be a significant part of your life. As long as, as you have parents on this earth, there's still a meaningful purpose for their lives in your life. Parents, and, and for the purpose of today, mothers still want to matter in the lives of their children, regardless of how old those children become. They still want to matter. Now, when I became your pastor, I had, a, I had two elementary-age children and a junior high school-age child. Now, I have a, a 30, well, soon-to-be 34-year-old son who lives in Miami, Florida with his own family. I have a, a 30-year-old son, a 31-year-old son, who lives in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida with his wife. I have a, I have a 20, what is Paul, 28, 28 year old son who lives in Jacksonville, Florida. So, so I've got adult sons and Paul's there with his wife. Now I want to tell you something. All three of those guys, uh, the, their mom does not want them to marginalize her. I don't want them to marginalize me. I realize that I'm, I'm not to them what I once was to them, but I want to be better to them than what I once was to them. I want to be more to them than what I once was to them. When we get to this parenting series, part of the parenting series is going to talk about shifting gears. And as our children grow older, we do not go out of the picture. We just become a different part of the picture as, as uh, we shift gears in parenting. Do you embrace your mom, children? I'm not talking about the hugs and kisses, even though that's part of it. But do you embrace uh, who they have been and still are in your lives? If you will marginalize the people that God has put in your life, listen to this. If you will marginalize the people God has put in your lives, you will marginalize God in your life. Make a decision today to embrace your parents, your moms especially, and never relegate them to being unimportant in your life or how they feel about you to be unimportant in your life or what they say to be unimportant in your life. Do not marginalize your your parents. Embrace your parents. Secondly, empathize with their character. Do you think that Eunice and Lois we're perfect in every way? No, absolutely not. Don't you think that there were days when Timothy rolled his eyes? Seriously. Don't you think there were days when Timothy went, oh, brother, here we go again. Don't you think that's entirely possible? Well, of course it's possible. We live with our families in the best of times and we live with our families in the worst of times. You see your parents... And your children, in times when you hope no one else sees them, and the time that you hope everyone else sees them. Your parents, children, you see your parents in times when you hope no one else saw them. You also see them in times when you want to say, that's my mom, right there. We have to learn to empathize with the character of our children. Understand that they are real people. Now, if they have destructive flaws, try to help them. There are some many destructive flaws that people have. And if, if your parent or your child has a destructive flaw, try to help them. If they have just daily flaws, and we all have daily flaws, be glad that they're not destructive flaws. There's a difference between a daily flaw and a a destructive flaw. That's just a, a good rule for children relating to their parents, but it's also a good rule for parents relating to their children and husbands relating to their wives and wives relating to their husbands. Empathize with their character. If they have just a daily flaw, live with it. If they have a destructive flaw, try to deal with it. If you have real empathy for your parents, particularly your moms, you can forgive their flaws and you can engage their strengths. Paul had ordained Timothy, but the fact that he includes this right alongside the approval of the way that Timothy had been raised is a good indication that Paul linked what Timothy was able to do today with what the parents had done and the grandparent had done in his life in the yesterday. He wanted Timothy to continue to fan the flames that he had had all the way from a child and, and the kind of good things that his parents had put in. Verse 6 of our text, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you though the, through the laying on of my hands. Now here's a hard reality. We will find that the bad traits of our parents are easier to duplicate than the good ones. Much easier. I have some of the bad traits of my father. No question about it. I have them. And it's not all that easy for me to hold back those bad traits from my life. How many of you feel that in your own lives sometimes regarding your parents? Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough thing. And you know that these aren't the good traits. You know that it's this this way. Chances are the bad traits come by us naturally and the good traits we have to work on. The reality is we need to work on them. Work on the good traits. We're talking today about the legacy of motherhood. First of all, we should leave a legacy. And those of us who have parents that left us legacy, we should learn the lessons of their legacy. And then finally, we should be living the life. How do we live our lives to to leave a legacy? Let me give you three things to consider. And this is Mother's Day, so moms hone in on this. Here's the way that you leave a legacy. First of all, you leave it by your walk. Your walk will leave the legacy. Three times the Apostle Paul reminded the early church of the importance of their walk being worthy. Ephesians 4.11, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12. We exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As believers, as born-again believers, if you're a born-again child of God, here's something you need to understand, that there are some things that are not worthy of your walk. It's just not worth it to you. As, as born-again believers, we must understand, quite frankly, that there are some things, some behaviors, some reactions that are beneath us. That's just not who I am. Not that we're better than other people, but our calling is worth a standard of behavior that is different than the world's standard of behavior. Our manner should be something different from those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'll put it to you like this. There are things that, there are people that you know who they have certain things in their walk of life that you as a believer know, that's just not worthy of the kind of walk that I have. That's not the way that I want to walk. That's not the life that I want to live. That's not the daily conversation that I want to have. That's not who I am, who I want to be. That's my, my walk. That's just not worthy of, of what God has done in my life. Sometimes you, you will find yourself in a place or at a time and, and something will happen within you and, and, and you'll have this tendency to, to get a pang of conscience and that is God saying, is this worthy of your walk? Is this the kind of walk that you ought to have? It, it, it takes sometimes some growing up to realize that certain things aren't worthy of our walk. Certain conversations aren't worthy of our walk. Certain entertainment's just not worthy of our walk. Certain things that could be said' just not worthy of our walk. Certain Habits of life and, and routes of life are just not worthy of our walk. Again, not that we're better than other people. But as believers, God has called us to a different standard of living. And there's there's something about the walk, and and the worth of the walk should be a reflection of the worth of the Christ who lives within you. <clears throat> so we look at our lives and we should consider our walk. We should also consider our wisdom. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly uh, handling the word of truth. A lot in in life is the result of diligent efforts to know and do the will of God. As a pastor, I have a lot of folks ask me about the right thing for them to do. Pastor, do you think this is the right thing for me to do? The admonition from Paul to Timothy was that he should study the Word so he would know what was approved. So he would know the right things in life. The mom who raised her children based on her knowledge of the Word of God is more likely to live the life that leaves a legacy of godly encouragement to her family. So when we live the life, we should consider our walk. Is it a worthy walk? We should consider our wisdom. Is it godly wisdom? We should consider our way. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make, make straight your paths. If you can live this way, that is, walking worthy, studying wisely, and trusting the Lord with your way. You'll build into your children and all who know you a blessing that's worthy of legacy. Here are some things that I started off by giving you some quotes from different people, Phyllis Diller and Buddy Hackett and <clears throat> some others. Some of you have no idea who it was. Maybe you'll know some of these people. George Washington, you might know who that is. George Washington said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Wow. Father of our country. Father of our country had a mother who made him what he was. Here's one. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. That was a man named Abraham Lincoln. Andrew Jackson, yet another president, said, There never was a woman like her. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. Wow. And finally, the man that is called the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. All of that All of the the vitality and the importance of moms is wrapped up into one verse from Proverbs 31 and verse 28. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So mom, what kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy are you putting into your children? When Coach Bowden asked me, where'd you get that sense of humor? It's real easy to say. My mother. She gave that to me. And she gave me other things, but the one thing that I always remember and I cherish the most is the sense of humor. <coughs> What will your children cherish of the legacy that you are leaving in their lives?
2: John saw a city that could we